Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. Today, we are looking at our reading from Romans 14, 1 through 12. In Romans 14, Paul appeals to this fact that all people in the family of God are servants of the same Lord. Regardless of their background or tradition, cultural issues are not their primary defining reality. They certainly exist, but they're not their primary defining reality as now they are sons and daughters of God. Their place at God's table is now who they are primarily. Because of this, the diverse Christian community has to learn to like eat together. (laughs) If people of different cultures can't eat together, then they're not doing the fullness of what they're supposed to be doing and who they are. This is what Christians do. We come to the same table. Now, vegetarianism was a reality in the ancient world, just like it is today. But the reason why people were vegetarians were quite different than they are today. So most people you meet today who are vegetarians have arrived at their decision because of the ethical treatment of animals, for health reasons, or increasingly now for environmental concerns. But in the ancient world, most people lived close to the means of production. So they didn't quite have the same issues that we do today. They could see up close how animals were treated and how the food didn't have to travel as far to reach them. In the ancient world, the primary reason for vegetarianism is they weren't, they couldn't ever guarantee what kind of meat they were getting. <laughs> so how had it, had it been processed Had it been properly cooked? And that was a big deal, especially in a lot of religious traditions. And for Paul's audience, there was another layer. Had the meat been offered as a sacrifice to a false god in a pagan temple? This was often the case for most meat at this time, that it would be prepared as part of a sacrifice to a pagan god. So no devout Jew would ever eat that kind of meat. And so many early Christians had taken up that abstention. They said, we're not going to eat meat at all because we can't guarantee that it wasn't sacrificed to a pagan god. And then many Gentiles had come out of a life of worship to these pagan gods or celebration in pagan temples. And so giving up meat was part of their whole package that they gave up when they they chose to follow Christ. So Paul's dealing with a church full of conflicting views on this matter, right? Meat is part of God's creation. It's a gift from God. There's nothing wrong with meat itself. For Jewish Christians, there may not have been any hope of finding a kosher, I put that in quotation marks, they didn't use that term, butcher nearby. So the best practice was to stay away from meat altogether. Paul says that the concern must always be for the one who is weaker. Now, when he's talking about convictions and he says a person who's weaker, he's not saying this condescendingly as if to pat vegetarians on the head and say, poor things that you hold such convictions. He's also not saying that they don't grasp the basics of the Christian faith. No, he's sensitive to the fact that they recognize eating meat could lead them to idolatry. And perhaps Paul is also saying in a subtle pastoral way that they have not sat with the issue long enough to see the implications of Christ's death and resurrection on this issue. Because the church is a family, 
those who do eat meat and see no problem with the practice ought to make the sacrifice in order to sit with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says that their focus and our focus should be on the Lord. And both Jew and Gentile have been welcomed into the family of God because of Christ's death and resurrection. He's not saying you shouldn't have convictions or that it's not important. In fact, he says both groups have convictions and that they both should live their convictions as unto the Lord. That they can be a community of people with a variety of convictions, but if both of them are pointed towards pointed their convictions towards serving the Lord, then we can eat together. Paul is also not saying that 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 this that nothing's important or there there are things about which we will not be judged. Their judgment is a reality. He's calling them to keep their eyes on Jesus, though, who is the ultimate judge. We're not the ultimate judge. We must leave it in his hands. I want to suggest the following illustration. There's always risks at offering illustrations that I've not heard from other people. <laughs> and so uh, if, uh, if this real illustration is off base, I apologize, but I do think it's helpful. So think about two siblings that are in an argument about bedtime. The younger sibling, like many younger children are, is a concrete thinker and a rule follower. He understands mom and dad said that bedtime is at 8 p.m. And it is always at 8 p.m. And mom and dad have been over and over this with them time and time again. Then there's the older sibling. The older sibling knows that tomorrow is the first day of fall break. She has discerned that the parents have plans to sleep in. And therefore, bedtime rules no longer apply. Still, the younger sibling has brushed his teeth, has put on his pajamas, and is convinced that the 8 p.m. bedtime still stands. The younger sibling might become belligerent and accuse the older sibling of disobedience. The older sibling might write off the younger sibling as an immature baby. Ultimately, the decision belongs with the parents, and the siblings must appeal to them. After all, they are a family. And in this illustration, they have loving parents who want what is best for them. If the parents are asked, the younger sibling will eventually hear that the children are indeed free to stay up later than their 8 p.m. bedtime on this particular night. However, the younger sibling is still welcome to go to sleep at 8 p.m. if that helps them feel safer in their routine, and it does for some kids help them feel better about being obedient to the parents' previously established rule. Again, the illustration is not perfect. It's not a metaphor. It breaks down because unlike the siblings who can appeal directly to their parents and immediately have an answer, the abstainers in Paul's audience and the eaters have to continue in their disagreement until the day of judgment or until minds are changed. Also, the parents in this illustration will likely eventually go back to an 8 p.m. bedtime restriction, but the freedom to eat meat will not revert back. The Christians in Rome, Paul says, have to live in such a way that they're not judging one another for these kind of convictions. They're a family, and they need to live like a family. Food was not the only issue that they wrestled with. Uh, Feast days were also a point of contention for them as well. Some Christians still kept the Jewish festivals. Others did not. 
Again, Paul is not saying that the convictions about such thing are unimportant. He's saying whatever your conviction, it must be unto the Lord. In other words, do not stop keeping the feast days out of laziness. Make sure that all of your life is worship. So you've got one group that says, flee from evil in all of its forms. If anything could even tempt you towards evil, you should avoid it. The other group says, God is the creator and redeemer of all things. Everything belongs to him, including meat. Outward regulations do not actually get to the core of our hearts. Each has a Christian conviction, which is held deeply. Of course, for us today, we ask this question that's been asked throughout the centuries. Which scriptural commands are to be adhered to at all places and all times? And which no longer matter? or at least are of lesser importance. And how do we know? (laughs) Well, this is a difficult question. There are times to hold on to the essentials and times where we agree to disagree. The focus for Paul is on Jesus. And that is what verses 6 through 12 are all about. It's about living in light of Christ. He is the Lord of both the living and the dead. All those who believe in Jesus now are declared to be part of the family of God. If this is the case, we ought to live that way with one another. What if the church was able to embody a radical way of living where we thought first of those who were different from us, particularly those who are on the underside of power? We will live that out differently. But if our focus is on obedience to God and radical love of neighbor and enemy, how powerful might our voices be as we lead the world onto dry ground through the chaos and towards liberation? Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.